0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome again aboard the BYU hype train, uh, guys. I'm back. He's back. <laughs> uh, it's 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 uh, it's good to hear my own voice. I'll just speak for myself <laughs> on that on the on the show. Uh, it's it's been a little bit. Uh, the the last Last week, I, I tried to to break through the show and didn't make it all the way through because my internet connection uh, didn't work out. And uh, the last episode, I spent it screaming at my Bluetooth speaker. Uh, because uh, I, I couldn't uh, rebut the things that were being said on the show. So, boys, I'm happy to be back. Uh, like I said, my name is Joe Wheat. Um, if, you, if you haven't talked to us before, uh, I'm here with uh, Trevor Levitt and Hunter Miller. Um, Jason Stewart is our uh, National College Football Traveling Correspondent. He is actually at the game uh, in, in uh, Dallas with his family. He, uh, he'll probably be running a little late, but he might join the show later on. Uh, if we can get them, uh, get them in time. But uh, boys, how you doing? And th- the first question is, how much did you miss me?
1: Well, here's your chance to rebuttal, because I don't think you were alone in probably screaming at your Bluetooth speaker or your car radio <laughs> or whatever it was, whatever platform you're listening on. So we'll give you a chance to open up here your thoughts, your rebuttals to kind of a, the points of emphasis that we talked about earlier in the week.
0: So the biggest thing that – the biggest point that I felt needed to be made was to just scream from the rooftops that Jaron Hall is the guy. Uh, he is he's, – he's always been my guy. Um, he was always for me. He was always the, the one that had the highest ceiling. Um, and I don't know. The, the thing that's kind of bugged me this week is just the, the, the thoughts that he's not a – good passer of the football and I quite frankly just think that's ridiculous um like PFF has them graded pretty much identically um in in, in how they rank as quarterbacks they have the exact same grade of 80 um so like more than like we, we really shouldn't be comparing Jaron Hall to Baylor Romney we should just be appreciating that we have both of them uh so I like it's as well documented. I'm all aboard the Jaron Hall hype train. He should be here forever. Hunter, I'm disappointed in you uh, for even asking the question, raising the question, hey, whether or not Baylor should be the guy,
1: the voice of the people, right? Like if the, <laughs> if the people are talking about it, I got to bring it up. You know,
0: we, we, we give the people what they want, but ultimately we came to the right conclusion, which is uh Jaron Hall is QB one. Um But uh, yeah, no, Trevor, uh sing your praises to me. How much did you miss me?
2: Uh, their words can't describe how much we miss Joe here, but you were gone for good reasons. You are catching fish and uh, you're taking the lady on a date. So we'll, we'll yeah. excuse you. You get a hall pass.
1: Did you catch yeah. more fish than BYU had turnovers over the weekend?
0: I did by a large margin. And go. that's probably right. saying something. Uh, honestly <laughs>
1: scored, but, I guess.
0: So the, catch the, more
1: the, fish the- than BYU scored points.
0: Right, the, I definitely caught more fish than BYU scored points as well, probably five times. Uh, but uh, no, the, the the funny thing is, is like I'm like kind of in the back of the boat. I strategically uh, placed myself in the in the boat on Saturday. I couldn't watch the game, but I was following it on Game Cast, and I was kind of just like sitting in the back behind the guide, so he couldn't see me. I was just checking the score every once in a while, and it was heartbreaking because I'm sitting there and it's like. 10 to nothing, like really, really quick. And I'm like, Oh, BYU's got this. Um, and we, we ended up getting out of the boat and like, they Boise was kind of making a comeback and I kind of thought, well, like this, this was bound to happen. They tied it up. And then we got out of the boat and I couldn't check my phone again for probably another, I don't know, 20 minutes. And when we got back in BYU was down 20 to 10 and I had no idea what happened. Uh, so that that's uh, that's about all I'll say about the game is that it was uh, kind of depressing. I caught my biggest fish of the entire trip uh, on that on that section, um, and it it wasn't enough to cure the the game day blues. So uh, let's uh, let's let's move on and hope for bigger and better things. <laughs> uh, would you
1: like to address the rumors swirling on Twitter of a possible Joe Wheat curse? <sighs>
0: Yes, there is. I, I, I think I think that's the only solution. Is uh, I I go fishing and uh, all of a sudden the the ball gets wet and slippery and you know f- flops all over the place as if it's a fish. So uh, ultimately, I no more no more fishing trips for me uh, the rest of the season. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll be fine.
1: He's man enough to admit it that you are the sole and lone cause of all those fumbles.
0: I, I mean, I'm just saying, if I'm not driving the train, who is? Like, it's, it's
1: we, tr- just... we tried to drive it without you, and we ended up losing. So, uh, <laughs> clearly, yeah, what... clearly, there is one and only conductor.
0: Absolutely. You got that right, Hunter. Don't you forget it. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, every Everyone is the uh, co-conductor on this podcast, and I appreciate it. Uh, but the the other question that people want to know, are we going to be – Uh, coordinating
1: a high train conductor Halloween
0: costume this year? I mean,
1: BYU plays plays on the 30th at home against Virginia. So it's a homecoming Bronco game. It's the day before Halloween. It's a home game. Do we know what time is there? That has not been announced yet, I don't think. I don't think it has. We got the the time of the Washington State game in the last couple days. I do not think we have the time for the Virginia game. But uh, I mean, I don't even know if the time matters. I feel like having some sort of train conductor fit going is a must at that BYU Virginia game. We can figure it out.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: So, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll set up an unauthorized booth at corner at Cougar Canyon, <laughs> Take pictures with some with some train conductors. You know, the whole the whole, the whole nine yards uh, at uh, that BYU a game. A
2: hype train well, meet and greet.
1: Exactly. <laughs> We need, but well, what we do need is like a, an official nickname for people on the, that listen to the Hype Train podcast.
0: You know, that's actually a really good idea, Hunter. Uh, th- I think maybe let's, let's throw that out on, on the, sh- on Twitter. Let, let's, let's let, let the people decide what they want to be called.
1: Get our social uh, media manager on it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We'll, I'll I'll, we'll, I'll let them know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no. Uh, yeah. So. We're, we're we're making plans in real time here um but uh to just get started with the show we, we kind of wanted to jump right in boys it is halfway through the season um we are six weeks through the year six weeks through the year already um and it's moved way too fast a uh, lot of highs a lot of highs very few lows um but we wanted to kind of get into both so uh uh, let's start with Hunter. What is your uh, what is your biggest surprise and your biggest disappointments of the season?
1: Well, I'm looking at your guys' biggest surprise and biggest disappointments. Going to be honest with you, I didn't do like a whole. I was kind of thinking more of like individuals. Um, but oh, I will say my biggest disappointment. I'll make it a little more generic than you know specific players or coaches or anything like that. My biggest disappointment is probably the tight end room. And I don't think it necessarily has to do with them playing poorly, but more of them, you know, not necessarily living up, up to expectations, right? We talked about this offense that we were expecting from BYU, and I don't think the offense as a whole has really lived up to their, their potential and what we kind of expected from them. I think we expected probably a little bit more than 20, 30 points a game, especially what we saw last year and really returning a core group of those guys. Obviously, other than Zach, we brought in some wide receivers, um, I thought we'd probably expected more from this BYU offense as a whole, but really when you break it down, I expected more from this tight end group, obviously with Isaac Rex, what he was able to do last year, double digit touchdowns, um, the most touchdowns by a tight end since, you know, Dennis Pitta, like he balled out last year in a shortened season. I thought for sure we would be seeing more touchdowns scored from Isaac Rex. And again, I don't think it necessarily reflects on him playing poorly but it's just, he had such a monster season last year. And I think a lot of BYU fans, myself included, expected that momentum to continue. Um, and in reality, he's kind of regressed back to what BYU tight ends do on a year-to-year basis, right? Like this is kind of on par for BYU tight ends, especially I think when you factor in um, that once BYU is getting to the red zone, they're kind of feeding other guys, namely Tyler Algier, and um, they're kind of looking for the Nakua's and things like that. They're not necessarily... Going to Isaac Rex every time they get the ball inside the 20-yard line, like Zach Wilson did a season ago. Uh, so I would probably say my biggest uh disappointment is just that tight end group. But again, they've played well. They just haven't necessarily played been as explosive as they as Isaac Rex was a season ago. So that's probably my biggest disappointment. My biggest surprise, I will really key in on one player, and I think Samson Nakua has been a tremendous surprise. I think when we talked about you know, the wide receivers being brought in, it was all the intention on uh, Puka, right? Like Puka was going to be the one that was going to be starting. I think, you know, you would would expect your starting three wide receivers to be Gunner, Neal, and Puka, and kind of Samson was the odd man out. Well, does he or doesn't he make the, you know, be a starting wide receiver? But honestly, just like what he's been able to do on the field, and then also, you know, the emotion and the passion and the energy that he brings to the BYU team on the sidelines and off the field, Like, he's kind of been BYU's one, like, hype man on the sidelines. But, you know, when he's on and off the field, he's bringing the energy. Obviously, he had that highlight touchdown catch against Boise State. But uh, Samson Nakua has been a surprise to me just because, again, based off of my own expectations, I expected him to kind of be that wide receiver four, uh, kind of on the outside looking into that core group of receivers. And he's kind of cemented himself as kind of one of the go-to guys on offense. That's probably my biggest disappointment and my biggest
2: surprise.
0: Love it. How about you, Chad?
2: Yeah. um, I wanted to go, you know, my my biggest, I'll start with my biggest disappointment and end with something with the surprise at the end, but kind of along the same lines as as Hunter uh, went with the offensive side of the ball. Um, The offensive line um, and the running game for me has been uh, disappointing to say the least. It's not that they've necessarily been terrible, but you just look at, you know, we replaced two of the five guys that we had last year and the, and the two that we replaced them with have had playing time and have played well. And I just felt like there should be more holes uh, this year opened up. And now the competition has changed, but I just didn't expect it to be this drastic. And I think Hunter hit on it. Um, the reason it's disappointing is because the expectations were set for them to go out and do some pretty big things. And it just feels like they haven't quite lived up to that yet. I feel like Tyler Algier has been good because Tyler Algier is good. Uh, He's, he's made plays where there aren't any. Um, And so I'm hoping with the second half of the season that the O line uh, will improve in that area. Um, like I said, not that they've necessarily been horrible, but I feel like the expectations were they were going to be much, much better. Um, And then the biggest surprise for me has been the depth and the overall play of our defensive backs this year. Um, The very first game against Arizona, like still in the first quarter, uh, we lose Keenan Ellis to injury and have just been blown away by the amount of corners that have stepped up and played really well this year. Joe mentioned a couple of episodes ago that Malik Moore has been very good. And that has been uh, a surprise. I think you look at BYU and, you know, they're known for great linebackers and then like every once in a while you, spree- you sprinkle in like a Brian Logan or Brandon Bradley and, um, but at times there just hasn't been a core group of defensive backs that have been uh, really impressive. And I think this BYU uh, defensive back group has been really good. Uh, They've gone up against a lot of good receivers and they'll continue to go up against really good receivers. And for the most part, have done a really good job. And I believe has really helped this defense prevent a lot of big time plays. And so that uh, is my biggest surprise so far this year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, My,
0: my, actually, my, my biggest uh, disappointment is kind of is the same as Trevor's Um, I've really been disappointed in the run blocking Um, last year. uh, I mean, if you, if you look at the, the PFF grades um, like the, the offensive line, what we were good at and what we were bad at kind of switched Um, where last year, believe it or not, the, the, the pass blocking wasn't as good as the run blocking um, but this year, the we've posted BYU's posted a 76.8 grade in run blocking, which like relative to like nationally is actually in the top 15, which is really good. But I expected it to be a lot like actual visual on the on the field performance. I've expected it to be a lot better than it was. I was thinking, um, you know, both Algier and Lupini Katoa would both be averaging, you know, more than five yards a carry. Um, Algier has done that he's kind of lived up to his end of the deal but I think kind of what we've learned this year is that Tyler Algier is is an elite running back um, and that that is almost independent of the offensive line like he looks really good because Tyler Algier is really good and not because the offensive line is making him really good if that makes sense um, whereas Lupini he's he's done well and he stepped up in really big spots but uh, he hasn't uh he hasn't excelled quite like he did last year, and I think a lot of that is just because the offensive line is made up of a lot younger guys. Um, on the flip side of that, like the pass blocking has been tremendous. Um, pass blocking has actually been, uh, you know, s- number one in the country actually uh, in, in the PFF grades on pass blocking. So uh, super impressed with uh, what uh, what it, it's uh, Coach Funk now, right? Who's uh, Co- yeah, Coach now. Funk. Fun. Yeah, that's it. yeah, he's. The the drop off in the, on the pass blocking side hasn't been anything like I I haven't really noticed a difference, but it's it's the run blocking that is uh, especially like rewatching the game against uh, Boise State, it gets like really disappointing that it felt like the offensive line kind of got pushed around in the trenches and especially in short yardage situations. BYU has just struggled uh, straight yeah. up, so I think that's kind of been the disappointment is kind of the inability to just punch it in. Um, When you need to, I think the biggest uh, surprise is the linebacking core. I, I figured they were going to be good. I didn't think they would be this good. Um, And that that's even with Keenan Peely going down and Ben Bywater stepping in. Um, They've been awesome. Um, Both in the, in the, in the run defense game and the pass rush game, especially in the pass rush game, Peyton Wilgar, man, is just all over the field. Uh, out there looking like the second coming of Fred Warner, so I'm really excited to see. Uh, like, I just I love that BYU just has this long history of good linebackers going back to like Brian Keel. Like, you you went from Brian Keel to put David. Some, put some
1: Kiel. respect on Cameron Jensen. Cameron Jensen. Cameron Jensen yeah. Oh, sorry,
0: sorry, sorry, Cameron Jensen. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, but like you have like you go from Cameron Jensen to Brian Keel to David Nixon uh, to Kyle Van Noy. Um, Fred Warner, somewhere between the uh but yeah, you have guys like Fred Warner Harvey Longy Sione Takitaki um who is uh, Alani Fua uh he was yeah. he was there you when I was. spent some time with
1: the Cardinals Any yeah
0: um and then and now you're sitting here with uh Peyton Wilgar uh who's just kind of next next man up when it comes to linebackers so uh I've I've learned this season to not doubt the the linebacking core I was probably a little more leery about the linebackers than most coming into the year but uh, they've exceeded my expectations, as well as the uh, the defensive line. To be honest, um, they've they've been able to get a lot more push than I thought they would. Um, in uh, on, on PFF, they're uh, you know top 17 in the country actually in run defense grades. So like before before you like before you accuse BYU's defense of just kind of being the same old BYU defense, look at look at some of the advanced analytics because they show that BYU is actually pretty darn good um, against the run. So I'm, um, I don't know. And I guess kind of the overall biggest surprise is that BYU. Oh, I mean, not surprising to me is the hype train conductor, but that BYU's five and one. Um, like the, the, the most disappointing thing, uh, I saw after the game on Saturday is just the, the meltdown, the absolute meltdown, like a little bit of rain and you guys turn into the wicked witch of the West. Uh, (laughs) just I'm melting, I'm melting, I'm melting. Like it, This team is still really good. Like if if you think about it, if I offered you before the season started that BYU is going to be five and one heading into Baylor, you guys would have taken that. No questions asked. And like, if you weren't going to take it, the the one would have been Utah where you were asking me like, Oh, did we beat Utah? And if the answer is no, then you wouldn't have taken it. But like,
1: I accept nothing less than six zero, Joe. <laughs> we- <laughs>
0: you're asking, you're asking for a lot of misery, my friend.
1: <laughs> well, uh, yeah, isn't that the that's the constant state of being a BYU fan is expecting right. perfection and then ultimately being disappointed. That's You've just true, described right. my 25 years of BYU fandom.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to get into the scriptural definition of <laughs> perfect, but. Uh, no, I, I, I love what this BYU team has done. I think kind of looking back, um, I kind of want to get your guys' opinion on this as well. But I feel like this BYU team is kind of shown to be like the 2020 to 2021 basketball teams at BYU. Oh. Where like in, in 2020, you had the the big name stars um, that, that, that kind of carried you. Like, and, and they were really, really good. Did a lot of really great things um where as the 2021 model you didn't quite have the same big names like a, a TJ Haas or a um or or Yoli where uh, those guys kind of like were the were like the the marquee names the 2021 team just had a collection of 12 dudes who were all Pretty equally yoked and just really talented, and they turned out a record that was pretty similar. They weren't quite as good, I don't think, as the 2020 team, but they showed to be really respectable and showed that the the basketball program moving forward was in really good hands. And I think that's kind of what we're looking at with this 2020 uh, 2021 BYU team. Where the 2020 team had the bigger names. You had the Brady Christiansens. You had the Zach Wilsons. You had the guys like Isaiah Kafusi who were more upperclassmen leaders. Um, and then you transition to this team that maybe didn't have the, the quite the, the star power as last year's team did, but they've shown to be pretty darn effective. I don't think they're as good as the 2020 model, and I don't think they're going to be as good as the 2020 model. Like, candidly, I I see maybe one or two more losses on the schedule. I don't know what those games will be, but I but like if that happens, that's not a disappointment to me because if you think about it, BYU's got everybody coming back. I think there's only. Uh, three st- like three players on the two deep that are seniors this year so like I, I know it's disappointing right now where, like after, especially coming off the Boise game where BYU fans are probably a little disappointed with how Saturday went and you think yeah we should be 6-0 and we should be rolling looking at a New Year's 6 game like look at what you look at what BYU lost and look at the direction BYU is headed, and man, I am so excited. Not not just about the prospects for this year's team, because I personally don't think New Year's Six is off the table. But like, look at the prospects for the future. Look at the recruiting. Look at the the performance, and look at who BYU has coming back down the line, guys. This this team is this team is really fun. But uh, I don't know what what do you think, Trev, about the uh, twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty one teams.
2: No, I think, I think you hit it right on the head. And I think, you know, the biggest thing that I would focus on, like you said, is, is the youth. Um, I mean, the basketball team did well with the youth that they had and the, the, this football team, frankly, with the amount of youth that we have on this team is exceeding all expectations. I mean, this is a team that saw on Twitter could return essentially 99% of its roster. And so far, you know, in this young stage of their careers here at BYU, like they're five and one and they've, they've beaten a ranked Utah team. They've beaten a ranked and now top of the pac 12 Arizona state. And this is like you said, this is a great time to be excited. I think the other thing that we can be excited about as well, when you look at uh, the comparison to basketball is you know before we were getting some pretty good players from the transfer portal, but now we're starting to sign recruits right off the bat as well. And so you're going to just take this youth, and then you're going to start just infusing it with a bunch of talent uh, from the high school level and from the transfer portal. And and like you said, it it's it's a good time. It's a great time to be a Cougar, and we are just it's it's full steam ahead. I mean we we keep referring to the trains. There's a reason for that. It's full steam ahead, Uh, go Cougs, and just, yeah, excited for everything that we have so far this season uh, going for us and and what we have ahead.
0: Hunter, what's your uh, your mid-season State of the Union address for the people?
1: Uh, My State of the Union is that, is it better than what we probably realistically expected? Yes. I mean, like you said, Joe, I think if we talked about you know, this BYU team being five and one at the midpoint of the season, most of us would be pretty happy, right? Especially considering who we played in the first half of the year. And I think, you know, with who we lost over the offseason, I mean, Brandon Gurney, I think was one of the big kind of, I don't want to necessarily say doubters of this BYU football team, but he was on record multiple times, I think, kind of looking at this BYU team as a, a six and six, seven and five football team. So the fact that BYU's through the toughest part of their schedule and they're sitting at five and one and ranked in the top 20 in the country uh, as a testament to these guys. And, you know, and it's not to say that this isn't a talented team, right? I mean, especially on offense, you look at all the weapons that they have, uh, who they returned. You know, you talk about who they lost from a season ago, but look at who they returned, right? Tyler Algier, Gunnar Romney, uh, Isaac Rex, like guys who were significant contributors returned and came back from BYU this year. And so, I think, you know, that this is always was going to be a talented BYU team. I just think with, you know, how you looked at the schedule before the season started, it was a pretty daunting uh, start to the season, right, with Arizona State and with Utah and with Baylor and with Boise State kind of all taking place. I know Baylor's just on the, uh, on the back half of the schedule, but, you know, that you played kind of all those teams consecutively. I, you had a couple of breaks in there with USF and Utah State, but this was a tough schedule to open up. But it's just, I think you know, when you look back at it, was it as tough as probably what people expected it to be before the season started? No, I think Utah's not as good of a team as we kind of expected. Uh, Arizona is about as bad as we expected. Arizona State was always going to be a question. Uh, Boise State's not as good, I think, as we expected, although they beat BYU. Uh, they're still sitting there at three and three. So uh, and and the second half of the schedule is going to be tough, too. Not they don't necessarily play the same amount of uh, high level competition. You got a couple good games in there with Baylor coming up this week. You got at home against Virginia on the 30th, but um, uh, it's a lot of road games, right? Coming up for BYU, we've been blessed that we've had so many home games to start the season. Now we got to go on the road to Baylor. We got to go on the road to USC. We got to go on the road to Georgia Southern. Um, you got to go on the road to Washington state. Like this is going to, this is going to be uh, I think a tougher back half of the schedule, probably just as tough as we saw the front half of the schedule being, which isn't always common with BYU. But they've got the talent to do it. You just got some issues to fix, some some glaring weaknesses, like we talked about on the last episode of the podcast. Things that you know I was a little concerned that I was didn't see fixed before Boise State. And so if we can get, continue to get those things fixed, I think BYU can be sitting pretty. I think you know Joe, you talked about maybe you know two or three more losses sitting on the schedule, you know, BYU probably ending the season at nine and three. Uh, if we can get through the back half of the schedule, these next six games with a, with a similar five and one record and BYU sitting at 10 and two at the end of the year, top 20 still, um, you know, I think this still has a potential to be one of the, you know, great BYU teams of this 20, 2000s generation. Uh, it's just about putting it together, fixing some issues because you, you still got some tough games remaining.
0: Absolutely, and I, I'm I'm I kind of ride with the idea that like I'm not sure the the toughest part of the schedule is behind us. I think Arizona State has been by far the best team that BYU's played. I think Baylor is one of those teams that uh, that will pose an equally tough challenge as anybody as BYU played, um, yeah. including Arizona State, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, but like what you said. At this point, I think we're going to learn a lot about what this BYU team has. Um, I think one of the one of the big criticisms of of independence is like once you lose a game, you kind of lose everything to play like, that you play for. I think last year that showed that uh, like BYU showed that wasn't the case. I think after that Coastal Carolina loss, uh, BYU easily could have just mailed it in, and uh, it, it could have been we could be remembering that season a lot like a 2001 as opposed to a 1983. Um, where at a certain point, like BYU was undefeated deep into the season. They had a disappointing loss. And in 2001, the wheels just kind of fell off. So I, I like to think that under Kalani Satake, the, the program is resilient enough where one loss won't derail the season. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I don't expect it to. Um, I, I th- the, the biggest thing I want to see the rest of the year is, is will BYU, will, will Boise State beat BYU twice? Um, will this week be a, a week where BYU kind of comes in and says, uh, "Well, like we lost, kind of all all hope is lost, everything we worked for is is kind of done because we had a disappointing loss." Or are they going to keep building towards something? Um, but uh, I, I'm I'm kind of curious to get your guys' thoughts, Trevor. What's uh, what's kind of your updated uh, your updated prediction for win loss record for BYU the rest of the way?
2: Yeah, I mean. Frankly, if we can beat Baylor uh, and we can talk about why, you know, that'll be tough here in a little, but if we beat Baylor, I don't see any reason why we can't win out. I mean, we'll have Virginia in front of us at Lavella Dord stadium. And really, I think there is a pathway. If you beat a good Baylor team to, to, like you said, Joe, put yourself back onto the path for, for New York six. I don't think necessarily if, we don't make a New York six that as Joe said, you just, you know, blow up the season and it's, you know, it was not a good one. I mean, we've already exceeded expectations just to enjoy the ride from here, but I don't see us necessarily dropping a bunch more games. If we're able to pick this one up in Waco.
1: Yeah. I mean, BYU still got stuff to play for, right? I mean, like, in 2006, right, BYU starts one and two. Obviously, you're not going to make a BCS Bowl. Like, you're playing for a Mountain West Conference championship. But at that point, still sure. But, like, does that really matter? But how often do we look back at, like, the 2006 team as, like, kind of the team that ushered in the modern era of BYU football and, you know, one of the, one of the more unheralded, underrated BYU teams of all time.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Y-
1: you know, you can still – well, you may not be playing for on-field accolades, right? Because, like, BYU, if they go to, I don't know, whatever bowl they're – they're scheduled to be in the Shreveport, Louisiana bowl versus, you know, uh, Tulane, who knows what the bowl game will end up being. And, you know, there's still, I think, you know, BYU has an outside chance of New Year's six, if they can run the table and if Cincinnati can maybe falter along the way, uh, there's still, there's still a path for BYU to make a New Year's six bowl game. It's obviously not as strong as it was headed into this Baylor game. Um, is it likely? Probably not, but, you know who cares ultimately what the bowl game is if if BYU fans can look back on the season in you know five ten fifteen years from now I mean heck we're fifteen years removed from the two thousand and six season and I still look at back at that season as one of the fonder BYU seasons I've ever you know been able to witness it's just more about how the team is looked at right if it's looked at a team that you know oh they were doing these great things and then they fell apart the wheels came off and they ended up underachieving based off of the potential we saw to start the season. Or is this going to be a team that, you know, in five, 10 years from now, we're looking back and being like, man, 2020 was a special season. And they, despite losing, you know, quarterback, that you know, went number two in the in the NFL draft, still came back with a tougher schedule, uh, was able to get a big 12 invite and still went on to, you know, have an 11 and one season. Sure. They, you know, ended up beating, beating, you know, whoever, some Mac or, you know, Sunbelt team in a bowl game, <laughs> but man, they beat Utah, they beat Arizona State they beat Baylor, they beat Virginia, you know, all these things. They beat USC on the road in the Coliseum, took Utah 105 years to do it. BYU walked in there one year and did it. Like, it's more at this point, you know, with a loss under, uh, with a lot, with a one in the loss column and, you know, a New Year's Six or playoff berth pretty much off the table. Like, there's still a sense of pride and, you know, a sense of, of um, you know, how BYU fans look back at the season to play for. So, you know, with BYU fans saying, oh, there's nothing to play for, it's meaningless, blah, 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 blah. You know, there's not a conference championship, there's not a New Year Six, so what, what does it matter if BYU continues to win or lose? Like, the players care. In 5, 10 years, they want to look back and be like, yeah, I was a part of the 2020 and the 2021 BYU football teams that, win a com- that lost a combined two times in two seasons, right? Like, that's something special to say. There's not many BYU players who have played uh, since the Steve Young 83 and 84 seasons. I can look back and say that, you know, in two years, I only lost two times. So I think there's still something to play for.
2: Well, and I just want to point out too, like, you know, you talked about, you know, the fans and I don't want to call anybody out necessarily, but you look at the fans as, you know, we look at this loss and the season's over. I like, just sit back for a second and realize what you're insinuating. Like we lost one game. Now there's nothing else to play for since 1984. Then we've had zero meaning, like we've had zero meaningful seasons. Like we won the national championship and we have accomplished nothing since. And when you put it that way, like you realize just how crazy that sounds like Hunter, you know, rattled off 2006, like the years with Max Hall, like, like Zach Wilson, obviously like it's, It's okay to be disappointed in a loss. Like it's hard for teams to go undefeated. Like Alabama's the best to do it for like the last 15 years. And they don't do that every year. Like as a BYU fan, we might we do need to kind of channel our expectations just a little, kind of dial them down just a little bit. And channel the expectations on the hype train. Well, listen, like this we can be hyped for this kind of season because we have done like hype is being able to exceed expectations. Is it not like if you're able to become something more than you thought, you know, you were, you are exceeding and you are bringing in the hype. And I just think as a BYU fan, I don't know, like at this point, I'm just rambling, but we as fans need to understand that these, these guys In the independence era, have done so much for this program to get us to the Big Twelve, to to get us to these this new future of ours. And so, for us to just rattle everything off as as meaningless is it's unfair. These guys have put in way too much work for us to just write them off after one game. And so, frankly, like stay on the train. There's plenty of special things left to take place this season, and just believe like that's all it is. (laughs) It's like, don't write these guys off. It's it'll be okay. I mean, hell BYU could
1: go five and seven. If Tyler Algier is rushing for 150 yards or if Puka Nakua is making cool catches or, you know, whatever it is, if people are balling out, I'm still gonna be hyped. Right? Like that's part of being a fan. I don't necessarily. BYU doesn't have to be undefeated to earn and deserve hype. Like there's guys every like Samson Nakua and Puka Nakua deserve hype despite BYU losing to Boise State because they freaking balled out, right? I mean. Like Puka's catch was insane in the end zone, or Samson's ca- touchdown catch was insane in the end zone. Puka had a couple of awesome grabs despite the weather conditions and the cold weather and everything like that. Like those those d- plays deserve some hype, right? Like Ryan Rico deserves to be hyped regardless of BYU wins or loses because that dude is freaking awesome. Like there's the hype can still exist regardless of BYU's winning or losing. Like I'd prefer if they won, <laughs> It'd be a lot Amen. more hyped if BYU, won. but uh, there's still dudes on this team that, regardless, you know, there's still reasons to be hyped about BYU. Right. And, and again, right. we're acting like the world is falling after one loss, uh, after as a result of six turnovers.
0: What a what a great. What a great world we're living in. Like, we're acting like Alabama fans. Like, when we win, <laughs> we, we're mad because we didn't win by enough. And when we lose, we're mad because BYU, like, we should never lose a game. Uh, no,
1: BYU, I, BYU, the the fans of Alabama with the athletes of Fresno State, you know? <laughs> that's, that's, that's the kind of BYU. <laughs> how dare we'll you, on.
0: Hunter? How dare you? <laughs> no, uh, no, to go along to Hunter's point, like, there's a different. I got an argument about this earlier this year, which is really dumb. But, like, there's a difference between high expectations and high hopes. My hopes are through the roof. That's what makes me the that's what makes me the hype train conductor. Like what makes me a hype train conductor is that my hopes are sky high for for BYU all the time. But my expectations really are not aren't aren't quite as high. Like my expectations for for BYU in this era of of BYU football is to win seven games. Like if BYU wins seven games, like. That's like the bare minimum it takes for me to be happy with where the BYU football program is right now. BYU is about to do that in the first eight weeks of the season. Like that is that is so exceeded my expectations for what this year would look like. Um, as far as like my expectations moving forward, uh, like I said, if if BYU, I think at this point BYU needs to win probably nine games. Is my is my expectation from here on out. I think you have two wins in Georgia Southern and I, Idaho State. Um, and I think between the the four P5s left on the schedule, between USC, um, Washington State, Virginia, and Baylor, I think BYU is good enough to pick up two wins, at least two wins against those four. Um, but to be honest, I think BYU is good enough to win all of those four. It just depends on what you can put together. And and to kind of put a could put a pin in, in last week, uh, to make up one last point is everything that went wrong for BYU last week is fixable. Like it's, and, and to some extent, like turnovers are just kind of random. Um, and BYU is very fortunate to not turn the ball over the first five weeks of the season. And their, their luck just kind of ran out. Like you can't always control where uh, where a player's helmet hits and in Lupini Catella's case, it just hit on the ball uh, twice. It, in Tyler Algier's case, like, you know, those, those fumbles, I don't expect that to be a problem moving forward because those two running backs over their careers, we've seen them play a lot of games. There's no reason to expect that that will continue. So Like, the reason BYU lost, like, let's not overcomplicate it. They lost because they lost the turnover battle and they lost the uh, starting field position battle. And when you lose those two things, uh, like, when BYU wins those two things, I think they've lost, like, three times in the last 25 games or something like that. And when they lose those, they've lost, like, 16 out of the last 25. Like, so it's – everything that happened last week, it it doesn't – derail my hopes or my expectations for what the season will look like moving forward. Because honestly, I don't think that stuff will repeat itself. Like if BYU takes care of the ball and controls the field position battle, I think they can win any game that they play.
1: We're on to Baylor.
2: All right. Yes, sir. With that, let's get on to,
0: <laughs> after we've uh, been done preaching to the choir about why BYU is fantastic. <laughs> let's let's move on to the next game. Um, so BYU plays Baylor this week, five and one. Um, they're three and zero oh at home. They're uh, an interesting point for BYU fans, as you know, their offensive coordinator was BYU's offensive coordinator last year, uh, Jeff Grimes. Uh, he also brought coach Eric Mateos with him. Um, so there's, there'll be some familiar faces on the on the Baylor sideline. Um, and BYU Yaki, will look.
1: Yaki Ika, BYU, yeah. Baylor defense lineman, once committed to BYU. He's yeah. Local man, that kid. Was,
0: that, he's still a BYU fan, which is awesome. That was really disappointing to lose him. <laughs> uh,
1: he's high. Baylor, but represent
0: um but no i like baylor is pretty good they have wins against uh, their best one of the season was probably against iowa iowa state when iowa state was in the in the top 15 um their low loss on the season was to a really good oklahoma state team um who just has an, an awesome defense um but uh yeah let's let's start with you trev what are uh what uh what are you kind of seeing with baylor on saturday for your scouting report
2: Yeah, so sat down and watched as many games as I could. And one of the things that stood out in every single game uh, we talked about earlier in the podcast about O-line play, Uh, this is one of, if not the best offensive line just all around in college football. I mean, their their quarterback, Jerry Bohannon, could eat like a four-course meal back there in the pocket and then go find somebody to throw the football to. Um, he's been sacked five times all year. Uh, three were in one game and that was in Oklahoma, that was against Oklahoma State. Uh, so in my opinion, Oklahoma State gave us the recipe to beat Baylor and that's to get to the quarterback. Uh, Tuiaki's you know, rush three, drop eight, if we want to get to the quarterback is not going to work. Uh, he's going to have to disguise blitzes. He's going to have to bring guys off the edge. Uh, in order to be able to get to Jerry Bohannon. Um, And hopefully, if nothing else, we create some sort of uh, quarterback hurry and pressure because Bohannon has also not thrown a pick all year. So this is an offense that looks a lot like BYU's. They take care of the football. The offensive line takes care of Bohannon, and he goes and he finds um, his studs out there on, on the offensive side of the ball. It is crazy he hasn't thrown a
0: single pick all year. Like, I I don't I don't necessarily think like Gary Bohannon it's Gary Bohannon right. Uh, yes. I don't necessarily think he's like, I don't know he's not the second coming of Joe Montana, but like that dude can can take care of the ball and he's got some really good weapons around him.
2: Well, he just he just doesn't like he doesn't have to worry uh, at all. The only time he really looked uncomfortable was against Oklahoma State, and as I mentioned before, like three of the five sacks that he took this year were against the Cowboys and when you don't have to worry about if somebody's coming to hit you or not, you're just playing football in the backyard, you know, throwing it to your brother. And that's what it looks like is he, he's just chilling back there and and he's a pretty accurate passer. So, I mean, we, we really do have to find a way to speed him up.
0: Yeah, I, I don't, uh, the one thing I noticed with the Oklahoma state game, especially, is that if, if you get pressure on him, he's liable to make, uh, I don't know if, like, mistakes is the right word because he really hasn't made any fatal ones this year. But, like, his worst – he's at his worst when he's pressured. Um, I thought, you know, against Oklahoma State, there were two plays that kind of came to mind. One where he got pressured in his own end zone, and he just, like, chucked it up off his back foot. Um, and he was really fortunate that the Oklahoma State defensive backs weren't in position uh, and and ended up falling down because uh, it ended up being a big completion for Baylor, but it was, like, an absolute just, like, 500 ball uh, just, you know, kind of thrown into the air. Um, and another one was, uh, it was like a called rollout, but he faced a little bit of pressure and like turned back into the pressure for whatever reason. Um, and, and, uh, ended up going down. So I I think like, like Trevor said, I don't think the solution is necessarily rush four because like Baylor's offensive line is I mean, they looked like BYU's offensive line last year. They, was, uh, Eric
1: Mateo's offensive line right there. Yeah, right, yeah. You know, Like
0: Jeff Grimes, like, the one thing you can expect from a Jeff Grimes team is that they're going to have a crazy good offensive line. And that's what Baylor has. Like, I, I don't know if um, I, I don't think you can beat Baylor four on five when it comes to their offensive line. I, I think no. they're just, they're too good. So I, I'd like to see, I mean, at the, at the risk of sounding like your uh, your basic BYU casual Twitter user, like, I think BYU probably needs to bring some more pressure. Um, I'd like like against against Utah and against Boise actually. Like BYU called twelve, uh, 12 quarter like twelve blitzes um, in each of those games. I'd like to see BYU more in that like fifteen to sixteen range for blitzes. Um, I'm not saying like bring the house on every play, but you're going to have to get creative, um, with how you confuse this, this, uh, Baylor offensive line, Oklahoma state found it the most success with, uh, with more stunt blitzes, um, and in hopes to just kind of confuse and Baylor and hope they kind of miss some assignments. I think BYU's done a great job of that so far this year. So it, but like, but like Trevor said, I, you got to get pressure on Bohan, and if, if, if you want a shot, what about you Hunter?
1: Yeah, I mean that's a that's the age-old question when it comes to BYU defense, right? Is getting pressure on the quarterback. You can blitz, but can you, uh, you know, scheme up the blitzes at the right time, or you know, bring the right guys to be able to get to the quarterback? And so far, really, no one's been able to consistently do that against Baylor. I don't know if BYU is going to be the one to do it right, just based off of the BYU defensive tendencies and kind of what we've seen from them in the past and so far this season, but when I look at Baylor, uh, I see probably the best team BYU has faced this season, which means probably the best team BYU will face at all this season, right? You look at what they're able to do. They were undefeated until they lost to Oklahoma State on the road. That was a very close game, a very good game. Uh, I'm sure many BYU fans watched on TV. I believe it was on a Friday night, so they should have had um, the ability, to, or that was a Saturday night. The BYU game was a Friday night that weekend. But same weekend, I'm sure a lot of BYU fans were watching that game. Uh, I mean, Baylor 31st in scoring offense, which is going to be the best offense that BYU has played this season in terms of scoring. They're putting up 32.8 points per game. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. You know, we talk about BYU creating pressure and the quarterback and the weapons that Baylor has. Um, I just, uh, it's going to be tough to be able to stop this Baylor. Baylor team with with everything that they've got, their weapons, their offensive line, all that. Um, I mean, and they do it by rushing the ball, right? They run the ball 58% of the time is are, are called run plays. They're 38th in rushing yards per game, which is going to be the second best rushing attack BYU's faced all season behind Arizona State. They're rushing for nearly 200 yards a game. I mean, they've got some dudes, you know, other than just their quarterback, but you know, great guys all around. And, and it's weird. I don't know the last time Baylor's had a team that's rushed, that's run the ball this frequently, right? When we think about Baylor, you think of RG3, you think about Charlie Brewer and them, you know, classic big 12 offense, throwing the ball all over the place, scoring lots of points, but Baylor's scoring tons of points by running the football. Uh, and then, you know, you talk about passing game wise, they're probably comparable to Arizona state and Utah, right? So not the best, um, you, you look at you know their passing yards that they have per game. Arizona State is 66th, Baylor's 75th, and Utah's 82nd. So they're pretty comparable to those two teams. Not the best passing attack, but um, but, uh, good enough to get the job done. Right, we talked about how good Arizona State is and top top 20 team in the country. And you know, probably maybe the best team BYU's faced. They're still you know they're just kind of behind Jaden Daniels and Arizona State in terms of passing offense. And then ultimately, and finally, you know, you, you, when you think about college football, you think about the Big 12, you don't think about defense. Well, Baylor has got a heck of a defense, 25th in the country in points allowed with just 20 points allowed per game this season. That's going to, again, going to be the second best BYU who's played all season behind Arizona State. So it's pretty neck and neck between Arizona State and Baylor in terms of who's the best team BYU's has faced this season. But I just think when you talk about, you know, their scoring potential, their offensive line. They're probably they're going to be a lot more fundamentally sound and disciplined than Arizona State was playing, you know, at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. All the penalties they had, I don't think we're going to see those kind of penalties coming from the Baylor Bears and how well coached they are. Again, it's going to be a home game for them, so you're not going to have the added benefit of the rock and the Lavelle Edwards Stadium crowd rocking on a, on a Saturday night down in Provo. Uh, so ultimately, I think that this is probably going to be the most difficult game BYU has played. Both, you know, from the fact that this is a very good Baylor team. They've got a great offense and a great defense. And then you factor in that BYU is going to be on the road in Waco, Texas. Um, it's, just, it's just going to be tough, man. It's going to be it's going to be a true test of how good this BYU team is, right? Or, or was the Arizona State game, you know, a, a, a result of just one of the luckiest plays we've ever seen with Tyler Algier forcing that fumble, right? Or is this luck
0: had nothing to do with it?
1: <laughs> divine <laughs> intervention, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, this is, I think, I, when you factor in all the, all the different um, scenarios and you know factor everything in, I think this is probably going to be BYU's toughest test of the season.
0: I agree. And and looking at the offense, like what you were saying about um, their their running game, especially, uh, Abram Smith is a dude. Like if you want to if if you want to figure out what it's like to play against Tyler Algier, we're about to learn that in, in Abram Smith. Uh, he's he's their leading rusher um he averages uh looking at it it's like 7.9 yards per carry at home like dude is dude's a stud and a lot of that is again he's running behind uh he's running behind a jeff grimes offensive line but i mean he really like that that was the biggest thing like when i was watching some of his tape is like it just screams tyler algier to me um he just looks like a bowling ball out there but he's fast like i'm talking like four 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 five speed so um, he, he makes me nervous, but, um, like, I, I, I don't know. I'm a stats guy. I, I crunched some of the numbers. Um, and like the, this, this Baylor offense comes down to two things, running the football effectively and not making mistakes in the passing game. Um, 47 or 48% of their passes, uh, are within 10 yards. Um, or sorry, 40, 47% of their passing yards are within 10, like on throws within within 10 yards so like they're 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 good vertically and they take their shots uh they take their shots well but that isn't uh like it's either they're going to throw it short or they're going to throw it deep they don't really they're not particularly good in in the intermediate like 10 to 20 yard passing range game um but like that's the been t- weak spot Right, but the, the, the teams, like the, the reason I'm nervous about this game is that the the things that Baylor does best are throwing short and running the football. The teams that held Baylor to their worst offensive output games, so like you' think we're talking about Texas State, we're talking about Oklahoma State, and we're talking about Iowa State. Those three teams um, all held Baylor to under a 100 yards or under 60 yards um, passing within that 0 to 10 yard range and they held Baylor to under uh, – at least Oklahoma State and Iowa State held Baylor to under 130 yards rushing. So, like, if if you want to contain this Baylor offense – you have to be able to control the short passing game and you have to be able to control the line of scrimmage in the run game because if you do, I don't think they're they're good. They're good vertically, but I trust BYU's defense to limit big plays. Like when was the last time we saw BYU give up like a 40-yard touchdown through the air? It doesn't happen very often. So I, I trust BYU's defense to be able to hold up against these very talented Baylor receivers. The question is, is can they stop them uh, up front? Because this is a Baylor offense that will just kind of Dink and dunk on you until they can uh, dink and dunk, and then pound you with the rock until they can uh, have an opportunity to take a shot. Um, and the and the question is, is can BYU take those punches? Um, and to be honest, like I don't know the answer because I thought I did, and then BYU gave up like 160 yards to Boise State, who's like one of the worst rushing offense yeah. teams in the country. So
1: yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, State, it's a mystery. Yeah, the I, I number you were thinking about, Boise State's 115th in the country in rushing yards per game under 100 with 92. So now you're talking about the team that's 38th in rushing. BYU gave up 140 yards rushing to the 115th worst rushing attack in the country in terms of yards. Now you're talking about the 38th best team in the country that's almost averaging 200 yards per game. Can BYU – I mean, the question I think for BYU is, can you hold them to even 200? If BYU can hold them to under 130 rushing yards, I mean – uh, you, you gotta just every every BYU fan better be on Twitter at tagging Elijah Tuliaki <laughs> with the old Notes app apologies if BYU holds this oh for this sure Baylor rushing attack to sub 130.
0: If if BYU can hold them to 130, I don't see a way Baylor wins this game. Um I mean, unless unless BYU kind of they do what Iowa State did and just kind of self destruct uh, a lot of turnovers a lot of kind of self-inflicted mistakes. I, I think that Iowa State, like looking at the numbers, the Iowa State-Baylor game looked a lot like the Boise State-BYU uh, game where Iowa State outgained them by like over 100 yards um, and they still lost the game. And the reason why that was is because Baylor's defense is very opportunistic and does a great job. Uh, they, they're kind of like a bend-don't-break it looks like too. Uh, they like to rush four a lot and, and drop eight into coverage. And so the question is, is like, which defense is really going to break first. So, um, yeah, I, so like with that, let's get into some of our predictions of what we think we'll see. That's kind of the scouting report. Um, But Trevor, what are your, what are your predictions and hot takes?
2: Yeah. So my hot take this week is that the BYU defense is going to first uh, force the first interception of the year uh, for Baylor's quarterback. Um, And I'm also going to throw in another thing here. And I think this is going to be the Jaron Hall revenge game. I'm going to be completely honest. I have no specifics with that, uh, but you're going to see it Saturday. Jaron Hall is going to take over in Waco, Texas.
0: How about you, Hunter?
1: My hot take, are we just doing hot takes or are we also doing score predictions?
0: Uh, We'll we'll do hot takes first and then score predictions. Okay,
1: my hot take is going to be... Since Jason's not taking it this week, I will say that Puka Nakua, 100 yards, two touchdowns.
0: <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to happen at some point.
1: <laughs> he, texted, he texted his hot take, so I'll, I'll let Joe read it off. But it wasn't Puka Nakua, 100 yards, two touchdowns. And I feel like since this is the one week that Jason's not taking it, this is going to be the one week that it happens. And so put me down for Puka Nakua, 100 yards, two touchdowns.
0: Absolutely. I uh, Love to see it. I My hot take is uh... – Baylor hasn't seen a quarterback as good as Jaron Hall, um, quite frankly. I, I like I like Oklahoma State. I don't love Oklahoma State, um, and I don't especially love their quarterback. He didn't really have a great game against against Baylor either. I think we're going to see – Baylor's about to see the best quarterback that they've seen. Um, I think Jaron Hall's going to have a really good game through the year. Um, I, I, I like these BYU weapons um, that, that they have, and I think – He's gonna have Baylor doesn't do especially well at, at getting pressure. Um, like I said, they're more of a bend don't break. So I think we're gonna be see a lot of, of uh, a lot more Jaron Hall in the intermediate passing game. I think he's gonna go over three hundred. Um, my my hot take is that he's gonna put up the best uh, in terms of yardage. He's gonna put up the best numbers uh, against Baylor's defense that we've seen so far this year. Um, Jason's take is actually pretty similar. Uh, his hot take, he says. Uh, my hot take is Jaren Hall goes for 300 yards passing and my boo Isaac Rex will get a touchdown. Um, and he said, you know what? Screw it. Uh, 350 yards for Jaren. So that's, that's a hot take. Uh,
1: did he mean to say boo or did he, was he trying to say boy?
0: <laughs> no, no. Uh, I think it's boo. Like <laughs> yeah. I, you, I, was going to say you know me. him better.
1: So I wasn't sure if he was like my boo He's, Isaac Rex or if it was a typo <laughs> or what.
0: His Twitter handle is uh, Isaac Rex fan club. So I think that uh, that gives you what you're looking for right there. Um, there you go. so uh, yeah, uh, no, I, I, like that from, I like that from Jason. Um, but, uh, score predictions. Let's start with you, Trev.
2: I'm going to say 31, 35 for BYU. I think it's going to be a close one. Um, and I think it's going to come down to the final minutes, but I think we can eke it, eke it out by, by four points.
0: Love it. How about
2: you, Hunter?
1: Uh, so I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. Um, we talked about what we expect from BYU in the second half of the season. I think, Joe, when you talk about those four games, Washington State, uh, USC, Virginia, and then this Baylor game is, you know, I think you talked about it, two wins and two losses is probably what we should expect at the very least, right? And I, I think I'd even go as far as to say Washington State and USC are going to be two wins, Um You know, this is that USC team has given up and that Washington State team is just not very good. So uh, that really leaves Virginia and Baylor to me. And I think it really comes down to the Virginia game, because unfortunately, I think that this is a game that BYU comes up short in. I just think when you look at how good Baylor is, how disciplined they are, you're on the road. It's really your first kind of hostile, really like big road game. I'm not going to say first hostile road environment because we played up in Logan. We saw how hostile that got. Um, But, you know, you can't really compare Baylor's fan base and the size of their stadium and the environment that's going to be in Waco, Texas this weekend to what they've got going in Logan. So this is like kind of the first true road test um, for BYU. And I just think, you know, you come off a week uh, that was disappointing. I still haven't seen a lot of those issues be fixed that we saw against USF, that we saw against Utah State. They were still issues against Boise State. So I can do nothing but, you know, assume that they will probably still see at least a little bit of those same issues against Baylor. Right. You can't correct everything in one week. And it's kind of a tough week to be going up against who I said earlier is the best opponent and the toughest game BYU is going to play all season. So for the first time this year, I think, you know, any of us on the podcast, someone's going to pick against BYU. And I'm going to say that it's going to we're going to see Baylor come out victorious 38 to 27.
0: Wow. Okay. Uh, I I like this to be a close game. I think BYU is going to come in fired up. Um, I uh, the spread right now is Baylor six and a half. I think um, I think that's probably too big of a number. I like and the way that, that the way that both teams operate, um, the way both defenses kind of run a bend don't break style scheme, and the way that. Um, that both offenses kind of look the same. Like we're going to be seeing kind of mirror it. Like we're going to see like what it looks like if BYU were to play BYU. Um, and for that reason, I think it's going to be a little bit slower paced game. Um, it's not going to be a, like a historic big 12, 42 to 41 shootout. Um, I think it's going to be more in like the 28, 24 range. Um, and the, the victor is kind of interchangeable. It just comes down to who makes the the fewest mistakes, who takes care of the ball, the best. Um, this is the BYU hype train podcast, uh, for my BYU hype train prediction. It's going to be twenty-eight twenty-four BYU, um, realistic expectation. I think B- Baylor could definitely pull it off by, by the same score. So, um, that's my, uh, that's my argument sticking to it. Um, and with that, uh, brethren, thank you for, for joining us here on the BYU hype train. Once again, my name is Joe Wheat, uh, with my boys, uh, Trevor Levitt, Hunter Miller, uh, Jason Stewart. Sorry, we missed you this time, but, uh, we look forward to having you next time. We'll um and uh but BYU fans we're we're happy to have you and we hope you stay on BYU's five and one the future's bright everything looks good uh what a time to be a BYU fan couldn't think of a better one so uh with that we'll we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days
1: I really hope my BYU score prediction is wrong